Friday. Uh, it is Wednesday. Wednesday. Every time. I think that's one of that's our shtick is that yeah. I get the date wrong. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday, March 4th, and you are tuned in to the Arts Report, a special fun drive edition of the Arts Report. And is this your first fun drive, Ashley? Yes, it is my first fun drive. But um, even though it's even though I'm new to it, I'm very excited. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, uh, and it looks like... Uh, Rohit's in the building. What's up? And y- you you look, you're dressed for fun drive. Yes, I, I have got uh, a sweet CITR toque, as the Canadians like to say, the toque. It's amazing. It's warm. I'm wearing it right at this moment, and it's pretty fly. Would you guys agree I look pretty fly, like, right at this moment? Yeah. I think yeah. those those toques look pretty fly. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So if you want to look uh, as fly as I do at this moment... Uh, then you have to donate right now or at any point during the show. That'd be great. Or at any point during Fun Drive in general by <laughs> dialing this amazing number that actually spells out 604-UNIT-UBC. Or if you like numbers more, then you can go with 604-822-8648. But that's more boring. You should just remember it like UNIT-UBC. 604-UNIT-UBC. Or UBC unit. Oh my God! I've just been. I've just. I've. I've just stifled like 500 callers right there. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I meant 604 UBC unit. There we go. And if you forget that, or if we confuse you, you can also go online to citr.ca and you can make a donation online as well. So today we're going to be bringing some arts coverage, and we're going to be um, asking for. We're going to be making pitches for your pledges um, mm-hmm. and enjoying join a good show. So you mentioned you get a toque, Ashley. What what else uh, can they get if they donate to CITR? Well, you can also get a CITR cassette, a Discorder scarf if you like Discorder, or you can get a framed Discorder cover of your choice. Um, if you donate a, a little bit more, let's say around 500, why not? You get an on-air shout-out and a 10-song playlist of your choice. And I'll give a caveat that if... I think we should give a shout-out to anyone who calls in right now and, and yeah. donates. Yeah, why not? We'll we'll give, we'll, mm-hmm. we're, we're being generous with our shout-outs. And uh, <laughs> I was just going to make a note about that tape. That tape, uh, the cassette, uh, is actually a compilation of some of the best live performances that have happened here at CITR's own studios over the decades. So you'd be getting uh, a real history uh, of CITR just compiled in this one tape. Uh, It's being curated by CITR's staff and student executives, so you know it's going to be tight. So you better better, uh, think about making that 101.9 donation uh, because that's where you get – that's how you get the cassette. And uh, it's a pretty sweet cassette. That's also digital, by the way. So if you're worried about it, if you're worried about not having a cassette player, that's cool. You get a free digital download with it, so it's all good. We, you know, we because we're all about digitization up in here. You know, mm-hmm. 
That's what the it's fun the drive is for, right? Because we're digitizing <laughs> our um, our um, stuff, right? Yeah, the <laughs> all the stuff. We're gonna be transformed <laughs> into the world of Tron. Yeah, um, all of our our old content, our reel to reel content, mm-hmm. uh, will be digitized, and as well as all the other things around here, like old school Discorders and stuff like that, will be available. Uh, in our, on our brand new website, which will incorporate CITR and Discorder into the same platform so that everybody can access all these good things. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times people don't know really like where to really kind of like find Discorder and find uh, CITR and all of our cool stuff because, you know, unfortunately it's not been digitized. But once you do, you have access to all of our music programs, radio docs, PSAs, and everything. Yeah, it'll be a pretty sweet project once it's... Uh, completed but in order to, for it to be completed we need your help people we i'm actually I'm, I'm really excited about that digitization because especially for the arts report because we've got decades of um reel to reel of arts interviews arts mm-hmm. performances and you can really see how the show has changed because we've had different hosts over the years and uh every one of them have had like their own way of uh of handling the show and interviewing so you get really you'd get a real uh, uh interesting evolution or whatever you want to call it, of uh, charting the progression of the Arts Report and how it's changed over the years. Yeah, you'd be able to access that. Uh, and that way also programmers will be able to tag their favorite content time and maybe even like, uh, you know, make that acce- more accessible to their fans and it'll be awesome. Okay, now, so we're, we're today we'll be bringing pitches for, for making your pledges and we hope you do that number once again is... 604-822-8648 or 604-UBC-UNIT. Or online at CITR.ca. Damn right. <laughs> and um, one thing that we just want to share is that we're, we're going to be bring, like... We hope you donate because we are um, we're providing arts coverage with things that um, don't necessarily get coverage elsewhere on the airwaves, and so we'll be bringing you an example of that. And here is um, one of our um, well, one of our arts reporters telling us about a show that's coming up um, called "The Competition Is Fierce." And just I think just yesterday he went to go um, check out the media preview of that play. So this is just a little bit about what we do and why you might want to make a donation. Hey, this is Jacob from CITR 101.9 FM. I'm down here with Sebastian Archibald, who is the writer of The Competition is Fierce. Uh, Sebastian, how's it going today? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. We just watched the first scene, I believe, yeah, from the play. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, tell tell us about the play for those listening. What? Just give us a brief summary of it. Yeah, you bet. So the play takes place in, the, in a world where uh, high-profile jobs are won and lost in uh, gladiatorial combat. And um, so for anyone who's, who's ever struggled in the corporate world or, or, or knows that environment, uh, it'll probably ring true for them. Uh, so specifically, it follows the story of this uh, uh, young man named John who is kind of forced or coerced into participating in this, in this combat uh, for a high-profile executive position. And he faces off against this, uh, this very handsome, charismatic loner, um, kind of an alpha male to his beta male. And uh, the two of them are basically sequestered for three weeks, playing mind games and um, uh, engaging in physical combat and basically psyching each other 
other out, um, kind of trying to break each other down uh, in preparation for this this uh, massive uh, event. And um, yeah, and then and then the, and then uh, and then between the two of them, uh, there's also a, a love triangle because what story is complete without a love triangle of um, of this sort of a subversive coworker who doesn't actually care about the the the, the corporation at all, um, but uh, they end up fighting for for her affection, but she's not one to be uh, taken for granted. So she ends up uh, rising in some really interesting ways. And so needless to say, then, this play is very critical of the corporate world. Um, What is it trying to say about the highly competitive nature of uh, corporate world and just the workforce in general in today's society. Yeah, it's well, it's, it's a couple of things. It's, for me, it's less about being like anti-capitalistic and just saying, oh, you know, all, all, all corporations are bad, uh, as it is about more the philosophy behind what motivates these institutions, right? And um, so, I, 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 it doesn't just apply to corporations; it applies to, to people, it applies to politics or the legal system or whatever. It, it can apply to kind of any institution, really, and it, and and a lot of what we call human nature, or what we're what we believe is human nature. Uh, how that affects us uh, on a day-to-day basis, you know, when we're just, like, trying to compete to shove our way onto the SkyTrain or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's not exclusively about corporations, but it does it does touch on, on that philosophy of, of competition and pitting people against each other and, and also reflected in, you know, free market economics, the idea that the cream rises to the top all the time when, when we've seen time and time again that that's not actually true with the free market. We see all sorts of horrid, despicable useless products that are worth billions and billions of dollars for, for whatever institutions they happen to represent. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where it's coming from. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I read something interesting uh, on this preview here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some psychological studies coming out, apparently, that show uh, the prevalence of psychopaths in the corporate environment, and which would suggest that psychopaths are more apt for the corporate world. Why, right. do you, why do you think that is? Uh, well, it was interesting. Yeah, so that was part of like some, some of the research and inspiration that I did when writing the show. This, this I found out a couple of years ago. Uh, the one that I found was actually, actually dated back to the 80s. The psychological study dated back to the 80s, so 30 years old, of uh, the psychologist who actually did a case study of a psychopath in a corporate environment, followed him for a few months, and actually saw him like work his way up. Uh, and the, thing, the things that psychopaths possess that I think...
I'm making an impact person to person, then you just drop by the station. I mean, we be operating 24-7, well, pretty much, as, as close <laughs> to 24-7 as we can possibly get. I know there's some people doing late shifts, late night phone shifts. So, you know, if you're coming here at, at 1 a.m., there will be somebody here at 1 a.m. to attend to your donation. Yeah. Now, now, Rohit and Ashley, I've got another question. What's okay. that? Is there going to be any fun drive celebration? Oh, snap. Oh, there is. There is. Where's it at, Ashley? Where's the party at? We'll be having a fun drive finale, and it will be at um, the. It'll be at uh, East. 403 East Hastings Street. AKA Pat's Pub. Pat's Pub. Know where it's at. That will be on Friday, March 6th, and yeah. it is $10 in advance, so. I don't know. I don't know. Ten dollars in advance. I would buy the advance tickets, and twelve dollars at the door. Twelve dollars at the door. So even if you don't make up your mind and you just decide to do it like on the night of, you got two dollars extra. That's nothing. That's nothing. This will be a really cool party too because there's going to be different bands, but they're going to get mixed up in what's called a a, a rock lottery. So there's going to be all these cool rock bands from the city, the local scene, and we're going to mix up their members, shuffle them around. And see what happens and see if some magical things happen. That's right. So we've got a, a rock lottery. We've mm-hmm. got the, there's going to be a silent auction. Oh, so yeah. If you've donated to CITR and if you want to donate just a little bit more, then you'll get tons of prizes. There's some grabs. really cool prizes. Yeah, you'll be getting uh, cool records, rare records, potentially passes to a music festival. Ooh. We'll see about that. And there's That's also good. cool things like... Uh, you know, gift certificates and uh, and jewelry that uh, that has been custom made by Gene uh, Queen Clothing. So you know, there's there's all kinds of cool stuff getting out there. You need to just come out to the finale, and you can see for yourself. You can really enjoy that uh, atmosphere. You'll be able to see the fruitions of our labor and your donations. And also, oh, sorry to interrupt, but all donors, they'll be thanked on CITR.ca. That's right. And in the March issue of Discorder Magazine. And also, if you um, if you don't want to get swag, if you're just like, you know what, I already have a lot of CITR swag as it is, you can actually uh, choose to get a tax receipt instead, instead of getting swag. And um, uh, people who do receive, I think the tax receipt, it's like uh, if you donate, you get like uh, money back on your taxes. Is that uh, right? Yep, Isn't that's tax true. Isn't tax coming up? Yes, it is. So yeah. if you want, you know, you want that tax money to get a little bit more forgiven on you, then uh, <laughs> you got to do some donations. You got to make yourself known as a worthy charitable person in order for the government to give back to you. And of course, by supporting the Arts Report, you are supporting the local art scene. Mm-hmm. And most important, an example. And we here support the local art scene on the Arts Report. Uh, and um, and we'd like to bring some arts reporting to you on the <laughs> arts report. Uh, Ashley, tell us about the uh, what you saw this weekend. Okay, well, I saw the Unnatural and Accidental Woman by Marie Clemens. Uh, I mentioned last week on the arts report. It is about. It's actually a, a play about a true murder case that happened in Vancouver, and it involves the death of at least ten women and many more uh, mystery deaths in East Hastings Street, and all of these women um, were actually First Nations. The uh, the really, uh, I guess, when I went to see the show, that was at the, uh, that was at SFU, it was at their, um, their campus, um, the, um, that was, the, uh, SFU the, was the, the performance? 
Uh, yeah, it was at SFU. It was at the uh, Oh, old... SFU Woodwards or yeah, Woodward. downtown? Yeah, Woodward. Yeah, there oh, you go, downtown. Sorry to interrupt, yo, oh, okay. but we just got we just received a donation from a very kind person. Uh, just a quick shout out to Adam, who was the former you, arts report director, actually. Thank you, Adam. Um, before me and before Sarah and Megan, he was uh, helping make this show the beautiful thing it is today. So thank you, Adam, for your donation. Uh, and thank you, actually, for even he even hosted a interviewing workshop. So he's helped me develop my skills in an interviewing context and helping me become a better arts reporter, radio show host. So, yeah. And we got now what is our total up to twenty six thousand one hundred and ninety five dollars. Oh, but the show. Yeah. yeah and our show total is sixty dollars. So. Woo! Wow. Great. Well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right, going right back at it. Thank, uh, thank you, Ashley. Okay, yeah. So that SFU Woodward. Sorry about that. And um, one thing when I went into the play, it is um, the way they have you seated. It is a black box theater. That means it's a little bit different from just the regular theater that you go into movies where everyone's in like a row. Mm-hmm. So our seating was um, kind of a enclosed space, and we are all seated around a structure. And then there's also a stage behind us as well. So if you're going to see something um, here, you definitely do have to look all around you. There's always something kind of going on. There's actually also, um, spoiler alert, there's actually food. I'm not going to tell you more about it, but there's actually food involved with this production as well. And they did it in such a way that wasn't just like a novelty act. It had like a deeper connection to the play. Hmm. And so the you as an audience member, you were there. You could consume some of the food to right. accompany the performance. Uh, yeah, and um, one thing I really liked is they have a lot of, um, I guess, uh, digital kind of media they work with in presenting this play. There's a lot of projection work, and soundscape is very important. Uh, most of the time. Uh, the play is actually done through a reading in the beginning, first mm-hmm. act. So people are reading out the play because they have um, their idea with representation because, um, for- unfortunately, uh, they also mentioned this as well, the actors, they are not First Nations, and so they decide to do the reading as a way to not take on their identity but give all the credit of the characters to the author, Marie Clemens. Oh, so instead of portraying um, people of a culture that they weren't a part of, mm-hmm. instead of trying to trying to do that portrayal... Yeah, like dressing up as them and stuff like that, they, they don't do that. They remained as actors by reading the scripts and That's right. didn't take on that personality. Um, in Act 2, they, they do have a little bit of acting parts. However, they're very clear to not assume the woman's identities. Hmm. Uh, one thing about the play that was um, very, I guess, really kind of um, stayed with me is the aspect of the true murder cases. So in the beginning, uh, you are introduced to a fictional kind of character, the main character. It is, she's fictionalized, but the people that she comes in contact with, they're all very, they're real people. And you get a, um, you get kind of like a reminder of that because they will project uh, these facts onto the, uh, screen in which they tell you like you know the woman's names her age and how she died the most important thing is how she died for all these women who are all considered unnatural and accidental deaths they had a very very high blood alcohol reading mm. that was like high beyond you know human consumption 
So um, and they're all seen with this one man, um, and um, who was actually a predator on these middle-aged Native women. But the police really didn't investigate too much deeper into that. The coroner didn't really uh, make any conclusive data that it could have been a murder. So unfortunately, um, these women's uh, deaths are considered still mysteries and there's a lot more missing women there's a lot of more violence towards native women that unfortunately the Canadian government doesn't really recognize and one thing that they do here um, for for these uh, for this play is uh, they actually have uh, something for Amnesty International they have a petition mm. and it is um, a petition for the federal government to work with indigenous women and representative or- organizations as well as provinces and territories to enact a comprehensive national action plan to both prevent violence against women and support victims of violence. So it, it seems like it would be, especially in the SFU Woodward's building, it yeah. would be such an impactful location too, because that's, that's right. right in the downtown east side, right in mm-hmm. that area. And they also mentioned that it is unceded Musqueam territory, so they are also very uh, clear to have that kind of tie with the uh, Native people. And um, there are actually two Native women present at the play. They're actually a big, crucial part of the play as well. And you actually get to hear a Native songs and by uh, Renee Morso. And um, it, it was really, really, really great. I, I don't know. It, for some people, they might not like it just because it's so dark. And it is actually part of the history here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So some people might not want to see that. And most of Vancouver right now, we gloss over that fact. So they mentioned a really key line is uh, being invisible kills you. Yeah. So I really recommend people to go see it. It is $5 for students and seniors. It is 15 for general admission. And it's just a very, very great piece. It seems like a really important play yeah. and, and, um, and one that is uh, well rewarding and important in ways that a lot of plays aren't. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's at SFU Woodward's. Is it still? Is it still being? Yes, it is. It's until the uh, the seventh. It'll be at uh, eight. Awesome. Well, Ashley, thanks very much for telling us about that play. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. And it is, of course, our Fun Drive show. Mm -hmm. Um, So big thank you to everyone who has donated so far. Once again, that number is 604-822-8648. And um, you can donate online as well. Right now, our show total is $60. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that we have some... Online donors too. Those won't show up in our show total just yet, but um, but they're coming. <laughs> so our numbers are increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you uh, want to donate, um, you can 
do so in phone, in person, online. Um, even or... mail. You can mail us. I, I don't think we talked about mail option, huh? We talked about in person, but can, not even mail. Can we mail in a check? Yeah, you can. You can mail your donations to CITR Radio, then uh, CO, C slash O, UBC Annual Giving. That is at 500-5950 University Boulevard, Vancouver, BC. V, as in Valentine, 6T1Z3. And if you do donate, you get to really help us out. We are digitizing everything we have on record, right? Yes, we are. We've got a huge catalog of reel-to-reel recordings, Mm -hmm. and we are making those accessible on our new revamped website. So um, it's very exciting. (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, so now we've got one uh, one review here for you. It is um, a new review. Since I've been here, we haven't reviewed this format yet. So um, we're going to, let's just take a little bit of a listen to some opera. Yeah, why not? Thank you. 
All right, I'll leave that music on in the background. But that, of course, was a little bit of So I Must Remain Alone and the overture to Die Fledermaus. And our um, first-time arts reporter, Robin Bunton, went last week to the opera. I did indeed, Jake. And it was really a great time, I have to say. Well, tell me about it. Well, I attended the opening night this past Saturday uh, with my grandmother, actually. And it was at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Um, Die Fledermaus is technically an operetta. Oh, and what is the difference? Well, I think an operetta is more of like a comical type of thing, whereas an opera is a heavier... Tragedy? Yeah, there seems to be a bit of a tragic element mm-hmm. to the opera that really isn't present with Die Fledermaus. Die Fledermaus. My woman told me how to say it, but um, I, I Die Fledermaus. I work with a German fellow, and he, he told me as well it was... Die Flittermaus. Uh, so Die Flittermaus is uh, composed by Johann Strauss II, and it was first performed in Vienna in 1874, and a woman in the crowd told us that they still perform it every single New Year's Eve in Vienna, which mm. is interesting. I've thought that would be quite a fun time. So it's a New Year's Eve because um, part of Die uh, Flittermaus, if I understand correctly, is at a costume party. That's right, yeah. A lot of the opera takes place around A masquerade, perhaps, is the name. Yeah, like a big kind of dance at this fancy palatial um, mansion. And there's lots of champagne involved, and everyone's in disguises. And it's it's just, like, very, very fun. It's been described as laughter, love, and sweet revenge while waltzing. Okay, so... uh, (laughs) Tell us about the story. Uh, so, Die Fledermaus means the bat, and the opera focuses around a plot of um, kind of lighthearted vengeance, um, which is all orchestrated light-hearted by... Lighthearted vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It's like this plot of revenge that's orchestrated by this mm-hmm. guy whose friend uh, abandoned him after a costume party oh, and left, no. him, left him to walk alone <laughs> home in daylight just Not as a bat. <laughs> not wow. a bro at all. <laughs> and so Die Mouse is all about um, this man's kind of plan of vengeance. And he has <laughs> just kind of made it so that everyone is somehow deceiving one another. And no one quite knows that they're being deceived throughout the whole play. And it's just very fun. It's very comical. So kind of, kind of like the best of in maybe like Shakespeare comedies, like I'm thinking of A Midsummer's Night Dream, where there's confusion and um, when everyone thinks that there's someone else and, the, yeah. you know, there's misunderstandings. A comedy of errors kind of. Definitely a comedy of errors, yeah. Um, and some of the best parts of it were the costumes. The costumes were incredible. They were very detailed and colorful the sets were amazing. They changed them three times. Ooh. Um, and they had they went from kind of a house to a party setting to a jail. So it was quite dramatic changes each time. And the choreography was great because there was always something happening. Like, I feel almost as if I could watch this play again and again and see something new every single time. Okay, so w- would you say that this is accessible to someone who has doesn't know anything about opera and might be intimidated by sort of the long, the length of the play and the performance. Yes, and because that's me. I'd <laughs> never been to an opera before. Um, my grandmother had been to a lot and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. So I don't think 
um, past experience with opera makes much of a difference. Probably the best part of it was just that nobody died. Um, that, <laughs> nobody that's what makes it a comedy. In anguish, nobody uh-huh. was, uh, yeah. It was very lighthearted, very fun. Mm-hmm. And the singing was incredible. I should probably mention that since it's an I opera. have a question. Was, mm-hmm. was the singing in uh, German or was it in English? Yeah, that's a great question. So the singing was all in German I and see. the speaking parts were in English. Mm-hmm. And while they were singing, there was a screen at the very top of the stage, which was subtle but um, also uh, really easy to see, that just gave you English mm-hmm. subtitles okay. for all of the singing. So, so. I've, I've always wondered if it would be distracting to, um, to read that or not. Like, did it did it take away from if you were focusing on the stage actions and the sort of the subtitles at the top, or the would it would it was it difficult? Um, actually, not really at all because I think it was the whole play itself was helped a lot by the fact that all of the singers were also great actors. They had excellent comedic timing, and so just based on their actions, you generally had an idea of what was happening, and. I found myself understanding the whole way through and not always looking at the subtitles. Cool. It seems like I, I've seen a little bit of um, promotional information about it online, and it definitely seems lighthearted. Um, I'm thinking of they, if if I'm right, they did a um, a pop up waltz downtown just in the corner of Robson and and <laughs> Georgia, and it or Granville in Georgia, and it was um, just. It just kind of played to the lighthearted, uh, you know, kind of celebratory feel of this of this performance. Totally, you leave the play wanting to have a glass of champagne and do a waltz with somebody. <laughs> it's also sort of a play about revelry, right? There's there's a couple who are who have secrets with one another and miss, you know, sort of. Um, there's lies and confusion. Do, do oh they, yeah. Do they address or any? Are there any issues with that, or do they address any moral <laughs> questions, or is it totally okay to deceive one another? Well, the plot itself is quite intricate the whole way through. There's lots of ups and downs and twists and turns, but um, at the end, not to give too much away, but there's a lot of blame placed on the champagne itself mm, okay. <laughs> for most of the action. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a really great time. It's playing uh, Thursday, March 5th, Saturday, March 7th. And there's a matinee on Sunday, March 8th. And so I would definitely encourage anyone who is interested to pick up tickets. Just go to the Vancouver Opera website and they are available. Now, I've um, around town, especially in the summer, sometimes I've seen people singing opera, performing and, and stuff. And you've got a story about that. Is that true? Did you recognize any of the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wait for the bus in the mornings. Um, same bus stop every time and you see the same characters come and go and there's one uh, gentleman who has waited there before and I walked up to the bus stop and he was quietly singing opera and my initial reaction was are you crazy and then uh, I stood beside him for a while and he explained that he was performing at Bard on the Beach and he sings opera as his career and I saw him in Deflator Mouse. Wow. He was, he was yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. So if I see him at the bus stop again, I'll be sure to let him know. <laughs> to congratulate him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks very much for giving us that, that report, your very first arts report. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And donate to FunDrive. And what is that FunDrive number, Robin? Well, it is 604-822-8648. Or 604 UBC unit. You can also 
donate at www.catr.ca slash donate. Thank you very much. That was Robin's first art report. And I understand, uh, I'm told that she has another program on the airwaves as well. <laughs> it's coming just in. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to CITR. You're tuned in to... The Arts Report. <laughs> That's right. And um, and we're here and we're all... I, why don't we talk about what CITR means to us and why... Um, and, you know, why why we think it's important to, to donate. Well, if you don't mind me starting. Um, I joined CITR last year, but I was just a little member I guess I didn't really have a big part until uh, recently. But one thing I really liked about CITR is that it features a lot of the things that you won't notice when you're just a regular UBC student. And that's kind of like sad to say, but when I talk about my friends about what's happening around town, most of us are very unaware. Uh, they know like the big bands coming to town, but none of the ones that are actually from Vancouver they talk about like movies, but not the local plays and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, when once I got caught kind of, uh, I guess, more involved with CITR, I was able to see a side of Vancouver that was truly Vancouver and not really the, I guess, <laughs> the, the copying of uh, Hollywood or a bigger, I guess, un-Vancouver culture, if I can say something like that. It, like something else that's just brought into Vancouver, not originally from mm-hmm. Vancouver. Yeah. That might be better. You you got sort of a, a richer understanding of of the city and mm-hmm. and the arts happening in the city. That's really cool. I I I would definitely echo that. I, I think what's so cool about CITR is um, is its accessibility and its mm-hmm. um, and the opportunities uh, available. CITR anybody can can become a member and can. Ha, um, give themselves uh, and and then they get access to training and access to um, so many cool things and it's being involved in community radio is something I think that really helps people find their voice and um, you know learn how to express their um, themselves on the air and and is a really really positive thing in that in that sense yeah and going off what you're saying about uh, expression. Uh, CITR is one of the few outlets uh, available to you, especially as a UBC student, but as anybody who's a part of the community um, of Greater Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to like have pretty much full creative control and freedom on a project that you specifically want to do. And if that project involves broadcasting, then all the better. But um, people here that are helping out in many ways, whether it be helping uh, the website, develop the website, or helping the digitization, we always look for people's input and their and their knowledge. And 
and that's the thing like you will be respected here when you your your opinions your values and uh as long as they're kind of in line with what CITR is about then generally you'll you'll probably find yourself among like-minded people and you'll find yourself a perfect playground of sorts creative playground artistic playground mm-hmm. for which to develop your your own show or your own ideas your own maybe you want to be a writer one day or maybe you want to be uh a, like a CBC radio host or maybe you want to do something else completely different uh if you want to be a lawyer even i mean all these things <laughs> you'll gain skills from CITR that are soft skills but also practical technical skills that'll help in all these kinds of different careers and um different journeys you may take in your life but the main thing i think to take away from CITR is that if you just want a place to kind of have an outlet you just want to play your favorite tunes uh and talk about music in a really nerdy geeky way that you uh you're definitely uh passionate about then this is the place to do it and to have freedom in how you do it yeah i i think it's really cool too when i think about um all of our volunteers who mm-hmm. who come and um support for the art support in specific, uh, well the art support in this case but with all the shows it's really cool because last week we had the privilege of sitting down and talking over the phone with um author Stephen Galloway who's yeah that was really yeah. neat he, he wrote his latest book his novel is the confabulist and before that he wrote the cellist of surveo and it was just really cool that through CITR we get the opportunity to do something like that absolutely and, get to exercise those journalism chops you know <laughs> yeah earlier this season i i really enjoyed um interviewing Terry Lynn Carrington who's a she's a, a, a Grammy award winning jazz artist who's played with pretty much every jazz great in the past in 30 years or so and mm-hmm. um and one of our new volunteers she after just coming down in a meeting and um one of her first interviews I think was with Alexander Wyman who is the international um well he's the visiting um conduct- guest conductor with the, um in Vancouver right now with the early music orchestra i believe <laughs> so it, there's just so much opportunity here and it's just uh I, I think a really important thing that um that if people want to support then they can yeah because most of all the things that citr does for the community it is free this this broadcast that you're listening to it's basically we're mostly non-profit right we are non-profit yeah. not just non-profit. mostly but i don't yeah. know if i was like <laughs> thinking fund drive hmm, that for profit like no no that's just to keep us afloat i yeah. mean everything we only uh, ask once per year don't we <laughs> it's only one mm-hmm. uh, big fund drive fundraiser every year but i mean thing is we need we need the money to just keep us afloat because we have lots of expensive equipment here but that we train people how to use and and on top of that we're going to get a brand new website which is going to change the entire way we even interact with um the station because we're going to have a huge new digital platform that'll combine CITR discorder mm-hmm. as well as archiving the podcasts and um and all the reels from the uh, reel to reels from the from the past so it's a huge project uh so like any big venture CITR also does need the funds and needs the money mm-hmm. um but uh it's it's entirety it's entirely devoted to providing back to the community so it's yeah. not a yeah and also not a lot of people know about this but CITR it is a multicultural uh programming kind of uh station so there is also 
not only shows in English, but, you know, also French, Spanish, Ethiopian, Indian, Persian, Russian, Italian, and even First Nations and more. So it's very multicultural programming and includes spoken word, includes news and music. So that's also one thing that we're proud to promote, um, not only just one specific point of view, but all points of views. And and even uh, interest groups, I mean, there's mm-hmm. um, whatever genre of music you're interested in, there's a show dedicated to someone who not only oh, yeah. likes that music, but whose favorite thing to do is to find the newest and most exciting um, bands and songs in whatever genre that Oh my goodness, and I, I just pulled out a Discorder just to see what kind of genres we got. Of course, we got your punk, <laughs> you got your loud, uh, heavy metal kind of music, but then you got, we got like all kinds of cool stuff like experimental. Eclectic. Eclectic. And jazz and folk and classical. classical. Yeah. Yep, Latin American, Ethiopian, oh my goodness. And then there's, there's this one category that's just straight up difficult. <laughs> Difficult music, harsh electronics. You know, we got we got it all, and we we welcome it all. So, one moment in CITR, you could be listening to your favorite genre, but then next moment could be something that you completely detest. But that's the beauty of CITR. We literally want to represent every kind of genre that we possibly can, and we do that. We do that, and we uh, are proud of that. And it's um, it's important to to support uh, arts arts media if you can. I, I know that uh, Fast Forward Weekly, which is a, a Calgary um, free weekly paper, is now shutting down for oh, um, no. after almost twenty years. Oh, that was a good run. Their their last issue will be March fifth, and they they were sort of one of the first uh, free weeklies to cover alternative um, arts and culture, and they grew to be a news uh, news magazine as well. Um, and so they've got just a I think just they played such an important role in in Calgary's Calgary's arts and culture scene. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's something that's that's going to be shutting down after almost twenty years. It, unsure if their website will continue or not, but um, but it just kind of goes to show what a difference um, listeners and supporters can make in in um, the continuation of of the media. And that's why CITR is all about adapting. We we want to continue. We want to still provide these mm-hmm. same services. Uh, the radio station is the fundamental part of what CITR is, but uh, by expanding our digital platform like, in the form of a new website, we want to reach out to more people, and that's the whole point. So mm-hmm. when people complain about, oh well, uh, they that radio station how antiquated, it's like, look, we're trying to we're trying to <laughs> adapt to you guys. We're trying to adapt to you folks who don't want to get with the radio. I believe there's still an amazing power to radio and uh, mm-hmm. audio storytelling and. And, um, you know, uh, hear, hearing the radio for me is, has become an almost therapeutic kind of thing. But for people who, who are not all about that, well, we want to still appeal to you, too. And we want to <laughs> reach out and we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do our best here. So, you know, if you want to make that happen, you want to make us make you happy, help <laughs> us help you be a happier and better person and less bitter and cynical about everything. So donate now. <laughs> At 604-822-8648 or UBC unit. Or if you're in that digitization mood and you want to get digital like right now, then donate online and welcome to the future. Bye. Well, <laughs> all right. And as you're jumping online and calling the phones and, and donating, I'm going to I know you're you. scrambling right now. All <laughs> you folks, we just can't handle this volume. Arr. 
<laughs> let's. Why don't we share with them a little bit about what's going on this week in arts? Just there's a, a couple things as we as we head out that that we want to share because that's one thing we do at the Arts Report too. We like to give um, a weekly arts calendar. Oh, can I can I do like an intro theme song for the This Week in Arts? We still haven't figured go, that out. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, right, I'll try to do some beatboxing here. Is this here. freestyle? Oh. Yeah, yeah, free freestyle, freestyle, okay, okay. world premiere. Okay, I'm going to turn your mic down just a little bit. Yeah, 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 you know I get Only loud. in the Arts Report, Fun Drive Edition. Well, welcome to this, the this, oh, wait, wait, the wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, in arts. We bringing you the cool stuff that be going on in Van City. Check it out. All right, now... Women in Film uh, Women in Film Festival is happening at the Vancouver International Film Festival Theater, the Van City Theater, uh, March 4th to 8th. And this is the 10th annual festival, something um, very important and interesting. And it's um, celebrating the best of cinema created by women. And so we've got four days of workshops, feature films, short films, screenings, and artist talks. Yeah, and perfect timing because International Women's Day is coming up, I believe, tomorrow, isn't it? I want to say it's the 8th. Or March the 8th, 8th, sorry. Yeah. Speaking about the 8th, sorry to jump in, but oh. the Vancouver International Dance Festival will be starting March 8th. It'll oh, nice. Be, yeah, it'll, it'll go until about the... Uh, end of March and there's a lot of really really great um, local local and also people from out of town dance troops coming in it's going to be very very beautiful from what I've seen from the photos and hopefully I'll be able to check it out hopefully and I think you guys should all check it out too very cool um, there's there's the so International Dance Festival there's mm-hmm. also the Coastal First Nations Dance Festival uh, which is on now already until the 8th and it's at the Museum of Anthropology um, brought to you by the M- the MOA, I think as they like to be called, and UBC. Um, and it's presented by dancers of Daimla Ham- Hamid. And I am apologizing for my pronunciation there. But um, we've got some Arizona powwow dancers. Uh, we've got sensational hoop dancing. We've got all sorts of coastal First Nation dancing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be really exciting. And lastly, there's two plays, and both of them I was trying to pick if there was only one play that I recommended um, for the week, mm. but I couldn't. I couldn't narrow it down between these two. <laughs> it's just so, that good. All right. So well, go, to, go to both. What are the options? One of them is called Nordost, and that is brought to you by the Troika collection, uh, Collective, and that is at Havana Theatre on Commercial Drive, now until March 7th. All right. Um, and this is a play about a true story of a 57-hour hostage crisis that took place mm. in Moscow in 2002. Ooh. That's a true story. Um, and the story is from the perspective of three different women who are, who are a part of that. And so this is going to be a really, really powerful show. Probably very intense, but... At the same time, it's a story that we don't know much about, at least here in the West. I would assume that most people um, have have no idea about what happened that day. And it's a and it's, it's interesting that it's being taken the story told from three women. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, where is that playing? Uh, that's at Havana Theater, Havana uh, Theater. on Commercial Drive, nice. and also really relevant with uh, with Moscow politics today uh, mm-hmm. in the news. Absolutely. Uh, the last uh, thing I want to tell you is called Rib Cage, and that's at Firehall Arts until March eighth. And this is again to celebrate International Women's Day. This is a one woman show, and it's the story, true story, of the first um, Jewish woman to come to Canada. 
um, and it takes place in 1738. And Esther Brando, she um, she emigrated to Canada, but had to pose as a Christian man to, mm-hmm. um, because at the time there was discrimination, right? There was, and Jewish immigrants were not allowed in Canada. So it's a true story, and she was eventually ejected. And it's um, the story of of Esther and um, the performer Heather Hermont um, is a she's a poet. And- 